12.05, ready to roll for another week. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca or 416-216-5910 to get hold of you directly, my friend, Savant. Good morning. That's How right. are you? Or good, good afternoon you? at good this point. John. How are you, pal? I'm good on this fine, uh, rainy Sunday. Yeah, another one. Another one. But it's mild. There's no snow. That's so it's true, good. and it's not cold. But you can still slip and fall. could yes, be slippery out there, right? <laughs> we always start with the week that was. You always got to, we'll get into the injury calculator as well. This is a... Uh, a new thing you put together that we've been talking about for a few weeks, but we'll go over that. But first, got a couple of cases to talk about the week that was. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Again, it was a very busy week, uh, so let me get right into it. Uh, I, I had a call um, this week from a gentleman uh, who was very concerned uh, about the way that his friend's claim, personal injury claim, was being handled. Uh, he had an accident last fall, a car accident. He wasn't at fault, uh, and uh, his friend wasn't able to return to work because of the injuries. Right. Interestingly enough, the accident was last fall, and to date, he hasn't received any money whatsoever from any insurance company. Again, we're talking about the passage of about half a year. And he didn't know why. And he was very concerned for his friend who was getting depressed. You know, he's got obligations at home. Yep. Now, the claim was being handled, the accident benefits claim was being handled uh, by paralegal, not a lawyer. And we've talked about that before, about the limitations that paralegals have in terms of what kind of claims they can handle Up versus to lawyers. Up to $25,000 at small claims court. And in terms of car accidents, they can deal with accident benefits. So the kind of benefits you'd be entitled to from your own insurance company, okay. but not for the benefits or, or the claim you would have against whoever was at fault for the accident, gotcha. like pain and suffering and things like that. Uh, so in any event, the paralegal told him that within a year or so from the accident, he would put him in touch with the lawyer that he works with. So again, we see that one-year mark mm-hmm. uh, coming into play here. You know, when they say that we have to wait for about a year before we see what we do about your claim. You got it. Uh, so in any event, uh, the, the, his friend was exhausting his savings. Uh, the family is really cash-strapped. They have a lot of bills. They have some collection agencies starting to call them. Great. And I told them, listen, put me in touch with your friend. And so... He put me in touch with his friend. I spoke with him, spoke with his wife as well, found out that uh, right after the accident when he hired the paralegal, the paralegal took some information down uh, but didn't make any applications to the accident benefit insurer for income replacement benefits. That might have been a good start. It would have been a good start. And again, the basics for those uh, listeners who haven't listened before, when you're in a car accident and you can't work and you, you work before the accident, you're entitled to claim a very basic benefit through your insurance company called income replacement benefits. Standard policies allow you to claim up to $400 per week. There is a formula that they use. Uh, And sometimes it's a bit less. Sometimes if you have optional benefit that you've purchased in, let's say, higher type of insurance. To top it up. uh, Top it up. You may be entitled to $600, $800, $1,000 a week. In this case, uh, this individual was entitled to at least $400 a week. But, but, but no application was actually made. So this person was actually not getting money that he should have been getting. Of course, I have no idea why this, why this wasn't done. I, I, I could not figure that out by sure. speaking with him. Uh, but when, obviously, when I explained that to him, he was, uh, he was a bit agitated, uh, clearly. Now, the injuries here were not... He, he didn't break anything. He didn't tear anything. But he had severe whiplash. Uh, his back was acting up. He had pre-existing issues with his back. And this accident really inflamed uh, the back issues. We talked about that as well. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah, he had some neck issues. So he had a lot of problems. And, and this gentleman was working in, in a position that w- where he was installing doors, windows, and things like that. So it was a fairly physical oh, yeah. uh, job. Uh, 52 years old. So you can imagine this person uh, who... who you know, supports his family, works in this difficult job, off work since last fall, not getting a dime 
uh, that's scary, that time. man. Very, very yeah. scary. And and he stole, you know, just you know, just wait. Everything is in process, and perhaps in half a year from from this point, perhaps I'll put you in touch with a lawyer. So again, I mean, I explained to him the entire process, and of course, he was uh, he, he he was amazed at, at what he's entitled to. Sure I told him you can make a claim immediately against whoever caused the accident. He had the police report. You know, we we could put that claim through right now, not waste any time. So we, we could really work with, with the two claims parallel, the accident benefits claim with mm-hmm. his own insurance company and with the insurance company of the individual that, that struck him. Right. And again, this is, uh, this is one of those stories that I wanted to bring up because a lot of people uh, who have been in accidents, oftentimes when they come to me, months and months, if not years after an accident happens, and they say, nothing is happening on my case. I'm not getting any answers. These are red signs. I mean, the lawyer or the paralegal should be sitting down with you and explaining the process, explaining the timelines, explaining what it is that you are entitled to, mm-hmm. because the system is there to compensate you. Uh, so so that's, that was an interesting case that I wanted to, uh, to, to, to just bring up to our listeners. We'll take a, a short break in and another one possibly you can relate to. In the meantime, 416-216-5910. We'd love to take your calls on the air this hour as well. That is 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And we'll get to some emails. That is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Just beginning, just getting rolling. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. 1214 on your Sunday, 416-216-5910. Take a hold of Savannah directly and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And always, of course, right here at the radio station, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Let's get into that second case you were talking about, right? Right. Okay, okay so John, this is a long-term disability case. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about long-term disability claims uh, frequently. Uh, this was an interesting call that I got this week, and, and it's not unique. I, I, I'm getting them more and more. Uh, this was a review uh, of a payout package. So this is a this is a lady who is 58 years old, and her insurance company that's been paying her long-term disability for quite a few years contacted her and said, uh, listen, you still have another seven years or so to go. Uh, you know, we, we have the ability to, uh, to, to continue paying you. And of course, every step of the way, we will check if in fact you need to get paid. As you know, uh, John, oftentimes insurance companies uh, find every reason in the book to stop paying you. For sure. Uh, so, so what the insurance company did here, which, which they do do occasionally, is uh, they've said, how about if we pay you a lump sum, like a lump sum for, for sure. a portion of your future benefits? But guess what? Uh, we, are, we are not just going to pay that to you. We want you to go and seek legal advice. We want you to actually have this package reviewed, and we will pay the lawyer to review it. That sounds too good. So to it's true. a no-brainer, of course, <laughs> right? So this lady calls me up, and she comes to my office, and I go through everything. I go through all the documentation, mm-hmm. uh, and what, what, what the package is, is um, offering is approximately 60% of the benefits that she would be entitled to going forward uh, up to age 65. So like four years, give or take, of what she was looking at, maybe? Four to five years, approximately, exactly. And and the reason why these consultations are very important is because every case is unique and every fact scenario is unique. And certain individuals, you really have to go through a full assessment to figure out if it makes sense to lump out, to to take that package from the insurance company, uh, or to say, no, thank you, I appreciate that, but I want to continue with my claim receiving benefits monthly. And then... Subsequently, go through the, you know, going back to doctors, getting reminders, right. getting the insurance getting reminders. keep checking on you. And exactly. Right? And, and that's exactly the point. And so when we go through it, I mean, sometimes I'll advise uh, people after I get all the facts and we go through all the, uh, the information, I'll advise them, look, I think that uh, it doesn't make sense for you to lump out right now or to take the settlement. Or sometimes I'll tell people, yeah, it does make sense to, to lump out. Okay. And, 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 you know, in this particular situation, when I was going through the package, I, I, I was giving this lady the pros and the cons. And so some of the pros 
uh, clearly for accepting a package like that is is that you're not going to be dealing with your insurance company any longer. That's the big you're one. You're guaranteeing right. money in your bank account, even though it's not 100 cents on the dollar to age 65, you're still going to be guaranteeing yourself a certain amount, be it 50,000, 100,000, 200, whatever it is that they're offering you, uh, you're going to guarantee that. And you know, for most people who are on long-term disability, the biggest... Um, the biggest problem that they have is not really their own disability, is dealing with the insurance company, mm-hmm. is getting those phone calls from the adjuster, those emails. Those calls, uh, cause tremendous stress and anxiety. So when people are presented with a package like this- It's and attractive. Told, it's very attractive okay. because you don't have to deal with the insurer. Uh, so you know you have that. Uh, uh, plus, uh, um, you know, oftentimes because it's a future amount, there is an argument that that amount would not be taxable. And again, of course, I tell people that with respect to taxes, you should speak with your accountant. But yeah. there are advantages for accepting future sums of money from the insurance company, but there are cons as well. You know, what if you're 35 years old and you have potentially another 30 years to go and the insurance company is offering you 10 cents on the dollar? You know, I mean, that's, there's a huge concern here. What, what if the insurance company is saying that if you accept this package, you also have to resign from your employment? Uh, what if they don't cover uh, all of the benefits right. you know, during that period of time that they're telling you they're compensating you for for the future? Gotcha. So they'll give you the long-term disability amounts, but not health coverage, for example. So again, a lot of consideration. So for people out there who are getting these letters from the insurance company telling them that you know, we're offering you uh, a package to accept, to, to close your file, uh, be, be weary of that. Consult it's not necessarily a, a lottery ticket here. It, it's, yeah. it's not necessarily a lottery ticket. Sometimes it makes sense to do it, yeah. uh, but make sure you consult someone, somebody who deals with this area, who understands. And oftentimes, John, the insurance company will pay for the consultation. So so it's it's a no-brainer. It makes mm-hmm. no sense for you a person not to go to a At lawyer. least look at it. Exactly. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got uh, Bill in Guelph. Good afternoon, Bill. Hi there. How are Hi, Bill. I have a stepson. He got in a motor, motocross accident with a dirt, dirt bike and shattered his ankle five years ago. Mm-hmm. Went to the hospital. He operated on him, put them all back together. And when they covered the, the incision and whatnot up, he got infection deep into, was into the bone, ate the cartridge away and whatnot. And was like that. Was really in a lot of pain and whatnot for a long time. And they did a lot of things for him. Put him in the hyperbaric chambers and all kinds of antibiotics. Stuff, stuff mm-hmm. seemed to work. Uh, so the x-rays, got a referral from a friend to an orthopedic guy. He looked at him, fixed him up in no time, months, and he was fine. But the problem is the cartridge is all gone. The cartridge is all gone. His ankle, his ankle seized up. Right. He's got all kinds of problems now. Is there anything, is there any process now to sue the doctors, basically, for malpractice or have them responsible for what they did to him? Okay, so I'm, I'm going to answer that question, but I'm also going to go back to the car accident. Uh, did he have a lawyer that dealt with, with, with the accident back then? No, it was just a, it was a dirt bike, actually. It was just out in the backyard. Okay. Around. Okay, so there are, two, there are two issues here to consider. Number one, if this happened five years ago, uh, then you're precluded from starting a lawsuit uh, or a claim here because two years have elapsed. So don't forget, in Ontario, there's a two-year limitation period for starting claims for personal injury. That's the first issue uh, that uh, he's going to be dealing with. The once second issue in general, right? sorry? Once, once he's 18 or over, it's two years from his 18th birthday, I think I read somewhere. Correct. Actually, you, you're correct. The limitation period doesn't start running until you're 18. Right. right. How, how old is he now? He's 21. Okay. So he's still going to have an issue because he's three years out. 
yeah. having, having said that, having said that, there is another issue to consider here, and this is something that we often deal with uh, with uh, medical malpractice type claims mm-hmm. uh, in in Canada. That's a that's a that's a specialty to go after a doctor. It's not like in the U.S. Uh, where everyone sues doctors left, right, and center. <laughs> here in Canada, it's a bit different. In order to to make a claim like this uh, for negligence against a, a doctor or any professional for that matter, sure. whether it's a lawyer, an engineer, an accountant, you have to have a um, an opinion from um, from someone of the same caliber. So if okay. you're dealing with an orthopedic surgeon, you need an, an orthopedic surgeon of your own to be able to put down on paper that this yeah, this, uh, guy messed this up. other one messed up exactly gotcha. that he gotcha. fell below the standard of care. If you don't have that other opinion, you will not succeed in a claim against the original surgeon. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and Savan's number anytime, 416-216-5910. Kayla, hang on the line. Interesting call. We'll get to you after the break. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show on Talk Radio AM 640. 1224, you need to get a hold of Savan Simple, 416-216-5910. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get some emails here very shortly and more your phone calls at 416. 416- 870-6400, star 640 on sale. Got uh, Kayla in Toronto. Hello, Kayla. Hi, John. Hi, Savan. Hi, Kayla. Um, so I'm calling. It wasn't me that was injured. It was my cousin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, about two two years ago, um, well, almost July, 20, July 2nd, 2013. Okay. Sorry, I'm a bit nervous. I've That's never okay. been on the radio before. Um, my cousin was a pedestrian, Yes. and she was hit by a drunk driver. The driver in question, he was later convicted of impaired driving, but he was coming from a company, he was driving a company car, coming from a company lunch where they had provided alcohol and he was on company time. And I believe the company was also fined for this in court. Okay. So my cousin had numerous broken bones and she lost her left leg above the knee. Oh, wow. And then, so she was in her third year of nursing school. She was only 20 and it took about a year for her to go through rehab and that. And then over this last year, over the second year, she just finished her nursing school. And about a month ago, mm-hmm. she started working at a hospital. Okay. Now, the thing is, the original, the insurance company, when this originally happened, they offered her a settlement, but she told them to get, basically get out of her hospital room. Right. Um, my, her parents tried to get a lawyer, and then she told them that if he did anything on her behalf, she would write to the law society because he wasn't authorized. Mm-hmm. After the surgery, she refused pain medication, mostly. She went back to physio as soon as she was allowed to. Like, they said, you should wait more. But she said, no, I want to go now. And to date, she hasn't filed a lawsuit or anything. She's got a bit of debt, and she figures it'll take her about five years or so to pay it off because she was a pedestrian, right? Like, she wasn't in a car, so she didn't have her own insurance. Okay. And we're just a bit concerned for her because she, refu- she doesn't want to sue or anything, so we don't know what to do for her. Okay, so this is a, it's a very tragic um, case, but, but I'll tell you this, Kayla, she has, um, she has a, a significant claim here wow. to make. Yeah. Whether or not she wants to go ahead with it, that's completely her choice. And, and I've come across many individuals uh, who, who told me, you know, I don't want to be one of those people who, uh, who sues, who makes a claim. But again, it's their decision to make. I can't stand it when there is a lawyer that pressures someone uh, to make a claim like this. But here's the reality. Uh, she's been permanently injured, and these are injuries that are going to uh, be with her for the rest of her life. Uh, yeah, she's who, only 23. I mean, yeah. that's, she's lost she's a limb, for God's sake. Well, I, I, I will tell you that this is her compensation is easily in the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars here. And, and this is compensation that no one, an insurance company would not pay her that compensation uh, unless they had to under the law. So she's entitled to this money. 
Now, here's the thing. If this happened in July, two years ago, she has literally weeks to start a claim. If she doesn't, if she doesn't, she forgoes all that money. Don't let her do that. So it's completely her choice. I'll be happy to speak with her, but yeah, I'm certainly not going to be pressuring her, but I, will, I can explain to her exactly what, she, what she's looking at. I'm not sure if anybody ever, ever really We've explained had, that. They've had three separate lawyers try to explain, including well, then, the one that has hired. I don't know. What. Then you have to respect her decision. That's my, I, I'm, I'm going to break away from many other personal injury lawyers out there, and I'm going to tell you that I, I would be more than happy to go and see her and to lay everything in front of her and, and tell her it's completely your choice. And if she doesn't want to talk to me or doesn't want to talk to anyone else, it's her choice, Kayla. You can't do anything about that. Right. But she is entitled to significant compensation. There's not even a question here. Okay. I'll pass along your number and I'll let her know. Thank Absolutely. You. Not a problem. That's a problem with being 23. John, you know... That's the problem with being 20. No, honestly, it's not her fault. She's just young. If she was 43, she wouldn't have thought twice about this. You've got 60 years potentially left to live without a leg and hundreds of thousands of dollars here that's owed to you. Like you said, legally, it could be yours. Legally, legally. This is... We're not talking about (sighs) heist, okay? This is not a lottery ticket. This is... is, The law provides for that. This is no different than Lior dealing with an issue of somebody being terminated, him telling them... They're owed $50,000 and they're no, saying, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want yeah. that. Okay, I feel sure. bad. Yeah, give the company uh, a gift. That's what you're doing with the insurance company here. You want them to keep the money? They'll keep the money. They'll be happy to do that for you. But we're not talking, and this, you're dealing with a drunk driver. This is, it, it's a no-brainer for me. But the one thing I will not do, the one thing that I think is unethical and, and immoral is to force someone to start a claim. And who knows what kind of lawyers here uh, spoke with her? Who knows what, what, what she was told? But I'll tell you, Kayla, put her in touch with me. Let me lay everything out, and she can make a decision on what she wants to do. And if she's already made that decision, not a problem. I mean, again, she's an adult. It's her decision, but it will affect the rest of her life. Kayla, before we go, please tell her to call Savan, would you please? 416-216-5910 is the number to get a hold of him. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We will talk about the injury calculator after the break right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM 640. 1232, it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for email, 416-216-5910. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Kayla, if you're still listening, we were going to get into this anyway, and that is the injury calculator. We're going to give you, uh, I'll give you basically 20 seconds to describe what it is, but I want you to get through this. And based uh, kind of on what Kayla's cousin is going through, uh, we'll run it through the injury calculator. Okay? Absolutely. So the injury calculator.ca, injury calculator.ca, uh, it, it's a tool that we created. Uh, it took us many, many months to come up with that. Uh, it's a free and anonymous tool uh, on on the net that where you can go uh, input the date of the accident, where it happened. You're not putting your name or your contact info. You're just putting basic information, what kind of injury you suffered, uh, and the 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 calculator will give you an estimation of what kind of compensation you could be looking at for your pain and suffering. Just pain and suffering. Just pain and suffering. Okay. And that's important because in every case, uh, first of all, every case is unique. Second of all, in many cases, you're dealing with other components. What if the person can't work or has difficulty working? Uh, in Kayla's cousin's case here, she's she's a nurse now. Despite everything, she was able to pull through and, and now she's working at a hospital. But who knows what kind of positions as a nurse she's now precluded from working she's in. She's got half a leg. Yeah, I mean, who knows right. what, what, what kind of income now she's looking at. Uh, but for the accident, perhaps she would have made a lot more. Perhaps she would have done a lot more. 
so again, very important. It's an amazing, amazing tool. It's based on case law from across the country. Mm-hmm. So the numbers that you get here, the values that this calculator provides, uh, th- th- they're not just something that we came up with. It's, it's based on a lot of research. Yeah. A lot of metrics. So a run lot of metrics. So let's go through it. So you we're putting it. accident date of July 2013. Let's say the accident was in Toronto. Uh, you're 23 years old. Uh, the cause of your injury was a car accident. It was someone else's fault. Yes. Let's go ahead and continue. Now it's asking me the category that best describes your main injury. I'm going to click on leg. Continue. Then I'm going to click on whole leg. Loss of leg. I'm, yeah. con- I'm clicking on that. Now it's asking you if the leg was amputated above the knee. I'm putting yes. Look at that. Exactly what happened to her. Absolutely. And then you press Continue. And it says, according to our survey of Canadian cases, you may be entitled to one hundred and forty to one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars for your pain and suffering. Just pain and John, suffering. That's just pain and suffering. That's tax-free. So this is what Canadian courts uh, will award her. And again, keep in mind these cases rarely go to court. Rarely. I mean, it's 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 ninety-nine point nine percent of the time they, they don't. get settled. They get settled. And in her case, right, we're dealing with that drunk driver. The company was involved. Uh, the case is not complicated. It's it's effectively a calculation of what the damages are. It's getting the right experts to give an opinion as to uh, the the kind of work she'll be able to do in the future. You know, the the, the constraints that she will have in terms of of her employability. Uh, it's things like that. You you could be dealing. You know, I I was telling Kayla that you're potentially looking at hundreds of thousands. Who knows? Maybe it's even more than that. I have no idea. We just have the basic facts. But injurycalculator.ca, a very unique tool. People have been using it since we've launched it a few months back. Uh, I'm getting submissions all the time, right? So this is the other thing. You, you get that uh, that range of, of damages that potentially you're entitled to, and then you can just close the, um, the app or, or close the website, or you can submit the results for a free consult. In other words, you mm-hmm. communicate with me directly, give me some more information, and I can give you a better idea of what you could potentially be looking as compensation for your So injury. what was that number again you came out with? 140000 to 175000 and that's just for pain and suffering. That's Which is often a fraction else. of what the overall claim could be. Yeah? Oftentimes, it is a fraction. Oftentimes, the biggest head of damage uh, is is the income loss, or or not even the income loss, but uh, the, the the loss of competitive advantage in the workplace. Sure, because she's now not the same as as someone like herself uh, who would have had uh, full functions uh, of of her legs, who would Absolutely. have had no injuries whatsoever. Kayla, try to get her to uh, to give Savannah a call, man. Trust me. Uh, we'll get to some emails here again. It is help at the insurance lawyer. So you got Sean from North York writes in says, simply, how do you know when a personal injury settlement is good? Oh, that's a very good question. And in fact, that I, I get that question all the time, especially after the radio show, from people who have their own lawyers. So for whatever reason, they're not asking their lawyers if their settlement is good or not. Uh, but really, the lawyer should be explaining to the individual at the time of settlement or just before settlement, uh, mm-hmm. what does the settlement co- um, uh, consist of? What does it encompass? Yeah. How is the settlement arrived at? It has to, uh, to take into account all uh, heads of damage. Uh, so again, it had to take into account uh, pain and suffering, um, income loss. Uh, perhaps you have expenses at home uh, that you're incurring. Some of these coming to your home to to uh, help you clean or cook, whatever it is, that has to be taken into account. Perhaps you're getting certain treatments that are not covered by your health plan, your your spouse's health plan, uh, by your own insurance company. Again, out-of-pocket expenses, that has to be taken into account. What about future treatments? Maybe yeah. you had that knee surgery, but you're going to need a revision surgery in five years. You're going to be off work at that time. Who's going to pay you for that off work time? 
What if you have to use uh, your sick days? And of course, we spoke about that, that sick days uh, that you've used because of an injury, they're compensable. So again, a settlement has to take into account all components of compensation. And we'll get into it a bit later, uh, a case that I was uh, actually the mediator in earlier this week. I can't give specifics, uh, but, but I can give you some information uh, right. or, or a, a viewpoint from someone who was trying to get parties to resolve a dispute uh, and, and, you know, some things that I saw as I was mediating that, uh, that dispute between the insurance companies and the individual that was injured. I want to get into a little of this as well. Questions about insurance and medical examinations. I'll give you one just before we take a break. Uh, injured people are often instructed by their insurer to, to attend what they call insurer medical examinations. What is that? Why is that? So a medical examination, or oftentimes it's called an independent medical examination, right. We obviously uh, laugh uh, as plaintiff lawyers when we hear the word independent. Uh, These are examinations that are organized um, or scheduled by the insurance company to provide the insurance company with a medical opinion as to the severity or diagnosis of your injury. An insurance company need that because uh, if if they're going to do something like cut you off or perhaps ask you to return to work or, or ask you to do certain treatments, they need some medical backup. So they need you to attend at one of their doctor's offices and get that opinion from one of their doctors in order to make those decisions so that later on you can't go back and say, why did you do that? They can point to the doctor and say, uh, or doctor's report and say, well, our doctor said that this is what uh, needs to be done. And so that's the reason why insurance companies oftentimes use these doctors or send you to medical examinations because they need that in order to paper their file or perhaps give them direction as to what needs to be done next. Sounds independent. Um, (laughs) Does the injured person have to attend? Uh, it depends. Uh, wow. And I say it depends because um, you do have an obligation to comply um, with with the insurance policy and generally with your insurance company. Uh, so, for example, in a situation where you have a claim for pain and suffering and, and you're dealing with a defense uh, lawyer, right? So, you know, you've started a claim against somebody who was at fault for the accident. Now the defense lawyer is telling your lawyer, we want you to go to their orthopedic surgeon for an assessment. Uh, if, if in fact you suffered an orthopedic injury, let's say you broke your leg, yeah. you do have an obligation to comply with that. The defense has the, the right to have you assessed by one of their doctors. But let's say the defense wants you to be seen by two orthopedic surgeons, right? Two different assessments. Well, in that case, no, they don't have gotcha. uh, two, two kicks of the can. So it depends on, on the scenario. And, you know, John, as a uh, former defense lawyer, I, I used to see a lot of lawyers on the other side, plaintiff lawyers who would not get that concept that would expose their clients to many more medical examinations that their clients would actually need to attend. We'll take a short break and into more of that. Uh, in the meantime, 416-216-5910. That is Savan's number, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And don't forget the injury calculator. You can get that at www.injurycalculator.ca. More of the insurance and injury law show right here. Talk radio, AM640. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. Savan's direct number is 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca for emails. We were talking about uh, insurance medical examinations and questions before we took a break. Um, talking about what uh, what can someone expect at such an examination? Well, they can expect that uh, the, um, the, the insurance doctor would have reviewed their complete file, their medical file. The uh, insurance company or the insurance defense lawyer would have forwarded their doctor uh, all the medical documents that your lawyer would have provided them. So make sure that, uh, uh, you know, that when you go in, you expect that. Uh, and that's important because, you know, you, you have to understand that they're going to, their job really is to advise the insurance company. Yep. So don't expect them to be nice. Uh, sometimes they are. Um, sometimes they may even seem sympathetic. Uh, in fact, 
it's interesting because I, I I often get phone calls from irate cli- irate clients who uh, who say, look, the defense doctor was so nice and sympathetic, and now you're giving me the report that he prepared, and it's full of inaccuracies and it's false, and the conclusions don't make sense. And I tell them, look, defense doctors have a purpose, and the purpose, well. Their purpose is really to be independent, but practically speaking, they are there uh, to provide the insurance companies with opinions. And oftentimes those opinions are unfortunately skewed. Uh, So so don't be alarmed by it because oftentimes we will send you to our own doctors who hopefully will give us a correct picture. Uh, And, uh, you know, there is a lot of um, misconceptions out there in terms of what to expect when you go to one of those offices. Uh, you know, the assessment uh, that you undergo could take 10 minutes, it could take half an hour. If it's a psychological examination, it could take an hour, two hours, perhaps even more. Uh, sometimes you have to go there more than, you know, once. Sometimes you have to attend a second time. Uh, but you do have to go and just understand that even though it's called an independent medical assessment, it's not necessarily independent in the true practical sense. You mentioned it being possibly biased or inaccurate. Uh, what do you do? What happens if? Well, what you need to do is you need to ask your lawyer for a copy of whatever defense report you get. Uh, And what I usually tell my clients is to just go through the report and tell me in writing, in an email perhaps, uh, you know, just list for me all the inaccuracies. If the doctor says this is what you told him and it's not what you told him, make that point. Tell me what that is. Create a chart. And that's important because... Down the road, uh, when it comes down to talk settlement or when there is a mediation, I will use the information that my client gave me to undercut the defense doctor's opinions. Oftentimes, these defense doctors, well, doctors in general, they they will take down information and then they will create opinions based on certain assumptions and information they have. Well, if you can undercut the information that they are presenting, you know, if they say, based on this and this and this, this is my opinion, and you can show that three out of five points are inaccurate or, 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 you know, they're false, well, then that undercuts the opinion of the doctor, or at the very least, it casts doubt as to the integrity of that opinion. So, so that's very, very important. Make sure that you go through those opinions and, and through the entire report. I want to sift through a couple emails here. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Sherry from Toronto says, my brother was crossing the road at a crosswalk last week and was hit by a driver making a right-hand turn. Uh, he was taken to hospital, diagnosed with three broken ribs and a dislocated right shoulder. Uh, he needs help at home, says, I've been uh, helping him so far, but i got to go back to work this week. Can we hire someone to help him? Absolutely, Sherry. 100% you can. And she can claim for what she's done, yeah? She can claim for what she's done after, uh, 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 under the, um, the Family Law Act. We talked about that before. Yep. Section 61 allows family members uh, to make claims uh, that are derivative claims of the main claim. So, for example, John, if you're injured in a car accident and your wife is helping you at home, she has a claim under the Family Law Act for the services that she provided you, it doesn't matter that she's your wife and she's taking care of you and, and you know, it, that's natural. The point is no. that the law allows, yeah, it allows her uh, to make a claim alongside yours for the time that she had to spend or perhaps she lost income because she had to decline work right. to stay at home to take care of you. So in Sherry's case, yes, if you guys hire someone uh, to, to help your brother, you have to make sure that that's documented. So if it's a company, make sure you have receipts, invoices, IOUs, if it's friends who are, who are helping out. Okay. Just make sure that there's documentation so you can say, you know, in the month of, of July and August and September, here's how many hours in the week uh, this person came to help and here's what they did. It doesn't have to be overly detailed. But you have to have enough in there to persuade the other side, to show the other side, the insurance company, that you've incurred that expense. How do you put a dollar amount on it, though, especially if it's a family member? Uh, You know, there's a variety of ways. You can look at market rates. 
So clearly, yeah. if somebody's coming and helping you clean the house for three hours, you're not going to charge, uh, you know, $300 for that. There, there's going to be a reasonableness aspect to it. And oftentimes what I tell people is uh, just call up companies who do the same kind of things that you need help with and uh, just find out what the normal rates are. And those are the rates that you can attribute to the family member. 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. And uh, it is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and Savannah's number anytime, 416-216-5910. Just before we take a break, let's just talk about the word settlement. Uh, when a personal injury case is settled, what does that exactly mean, settled? Well, it means it's final. It means that in exchange for uh, money that is being uh, given to you by the insurance company, if there is money that's being given, mm-hmm. you agree to drop your claim. So it, it, it's, it's a finality. You're going to be signing a document, presumably, uh, that's called a full and final release. And that document is the shield that the insurance company can use if you start making a claim in the future for the same injury. Of course, if you have a different injury, you can start a different claim. Right. But for this injury, the insurance company wants to make sure you don't come back and, and make a claim against them if they've given you that money. Uh, it, oftentimes in these um, settlements, there is a, there is a confidentiality term uh, that is worked in there that's standard. So you can't really tell other people about the specifics of the settlement. So you have to be careful about really? that. Yep, you have oh. to be very careful about that. Uh, and, and sometimes, you know, the insurance company will actually even put a term in there that says that, okay, you've agreed to settle with us, but don't go and make a claim against someone else for the same injury if that someone else can come and and claim against us. Gotcha. So in other words, the insurance company, when they settle with you, they want to make sure that they are done with your case yeah. from every angle. It's done. It's gotcha. done. Take a short break. In the meantime, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email address, 416-216-5910. That is Savan's direct number. And uh, right here, injurycalculator.ca. Check that on, out online as well. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and Savan's number, 416-216-5910. Anytime he's uh, got the number Ready to roll and answer your questions. Uh, personally, we're talking about settlement questions here. Can a lawyer settle a case against the client's instructions or wishes? No. Can't say, look, I'm doing this. No, yeah, <laughs> you, you can't do that. Uh, that's, uh, that's prohibited uh, under the law society uh, regulations, uh, ethical uh, bylaws, everything. Uh, I have seen that happen, and that uh, oftentimes raises issues for the lawyer with the law society. Uh, so no, um, the, 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 the other thing to mention here, and this is important uh, because I have seen people um, who are really stressed out mm-hmm. uh, contacting me when they say, look, we're close to settlement with my lawyer and I'm being pressured to accept an offer. You should not be pressured to accept an offer. Uh, the closest I will get to pressuring someone is, to, is to, to tell them, look, these are your options. This is what I recommend. This is what could happen if you don't accept uh, and now it's your choice. You make a decision. Uh, and as long as I've given you those options and my recommendation, my work is done. Uh, and oftentimes what people are, are asking me to do is really make them a recommendation. So not just lay out the options. But the answer to your questions, uh, a lawyer cannot settle a case for a client without the explicit instructions, the go-ahead from the client. So what should people be aware of before they agree to settle? Well, two things. Number one, you should understand how the final number is arrived at. And again, there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of cases out there, a lot of people who are in that situation where they're being presented with an overall number and they have no idea how that number was arrived at. Uh, and perhaps they're getting an amazing deal and perhaps they're getting a really crappy deal. 
and there's no way for them to know. And when I go to a mediation or when I have a, a um, discussion uh, with my client uh, about a settlement, I will explain the components of the settlement. I mean, the number did not come out of thin air. Sure. It, it was probably a byproduct of negotiations, but there was a starting point and there was an ending point. Uh, the client should be aware of the process and understand what happened and, and what is being um, offered to them. Uh, but the more important thing and, and really the ultimate thing that the client should be aware of is uh, what, what is my net take home? What is the check that you lawyer are going to write to me at the end of the day? So what is the total number? Cool. What are the expenses? What is What am I going to put in my pocket? What are my taxes? What am I paying you? You know, the breakdown. You should know what the breakdown is. And again, oftentimes people come to me. Uh, with with settlement offers that their own lawyers negotiated for them but haven't explained to them, and I have to go through and try to figure out how the settlement was arrived at and what uh, the take-home for the client should be, not fair. It's not fair, and that's not how you, you do things in, 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 in our world, really. I yeah. mean, you should be sitting down with the client and explaining everything. Get to uh, one last email. We've got about a minute left in the show here. It says, uh, from Alex Majax, mother, 63 years old, was a passenger in a car that was in a very bad accident last November. She was told that because she was a passenger, liability is not an issue. What does that mean? So that's an interesting question. Uh, in, in personal injury cases, we are dealing with two main issues. One is liability or fault. Mm-hmm. Clearly, for you to be able to claim for pain and suffering uh, against someone or against a company, that someone or that company has to be at fault. So, John, if you're walking down the street and you just uh, tripped up uh, on, on, your, on your own feet, right? Nothing really caused you to fall. You can't go ahead and sue the city. Uh, but if you were in a grocery store and you slipped on a slippery substance that was uh, on the floor, uh, there were no warning signs. Clearly, there is an indication here that something yeah. is wrong, right? I mean, perhaps the store is negligent in, in, in how they were cleaning, maintaining. Uh, so liability is the fault element. It's the first stage of, uh, of, of uh, advancing a claim for personal injury. The second mm. stage is damages. Right. So you have to establish that someone was at fault, and then you have to establish what the injuries are and what are the damages. So if we go back to the phone call we had before with Kayla, uh, in that case, she was mentioning that her cousin was struck. Uh, she was a pedestrian. She was struck by a drunk driver. Yep. Clearly, the drunk driver was at fault here. Big time. And the company, presumably, here was at fault, obviously, uh, because uh, they were given a ticket. Uh, the individual who was drunk was in a company vehicle. So, again, in that case, fault is really an, a, a non-issue. We, you're just dealing with the damages. 416-216-5910. That is the number to get a hold of Savannah now that the show has ended. You can also go to help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And anytime you're online, check out injurycalculator.ca as well. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Talk radio, AM640.